0: Preaching and studying through the book of Proverbs this year. I believe we started back in March and we've been studying all of the wisdom that the Lord has for us in this book. And today, as we mentioned last week, today is our final week in the book of Proverbs. We're looking at chapter 31. Of course, that doesn't necessarily mean we're done because you know we've been jumping around a good bit, but this is in fact our last week studying the wisdom of Proverbs together. Next week we'll be starting a a brief three-week series studying the New Testament book of Philemon. So I'm excited about that and if you have a chance this week I'd invite you to read through the book of Philemon. It takes maybe five minutes tops you can do it and, and you'll be ready for what comes next week. This week we're looking at Proverbs 31 uh, verses 10 through 31. So you're welcome to follow along in the bulletin or in your copies of God's Word this week. we'll be looking at just this one chapter. These very well-known verses to many of us, what we consider the uh, the description of the Proverbs 31 woman, as it were. And so, I'm going to read these verses for us today, and let me ask, if you're able, would you please join me in standing for the reading of God's holy word today? This is the word of the Lord in Proverbs 31, starting in verse 10. An excellent wife who can find... With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. Let's pray. Lord, Thank you for your word. Thank you for this passage in Proverbs 31, this picture of the wise, excellent wife who walks in the fear of the Lord. Father, as we set out to study it, please open our eyes. Lord, that in reading your word, it might be pressed on our hearts, that we might not be those who simply read the words and turn the pages and walk away unchanged, but we ask that your word uh, will accomplish the purpose for which you have given it, to exalt the glory of Jesus Christ, to draw our hearts to him in humility, thankfulness, and gratitude, that we might walk with him all the days of our life. We pray that you would do this today. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Let me just give us a big picture again. One of the the pitfalls that we've mentioned throughout our study of the book of Proverbs is that it's very easy for us in studying the book of Proverbs to approach it, As though it were simply a book of good advice. And as though this were simply a collection of sort of tried and true wisdom that have helped people over the centuries live a little bit better. It has helped them live slightly better, easier lives. Uh, And it's easy to hear these things, right? It, It tells us very sensible advice oftentimes. Things like be diligent and work hard. Be a good neighbor. Think about. The words you speak and the impact that those words are having on others. Manage your money well. If you do those things, you'll you'll be a good person. Right? It's easy to take all of that advice, and yet to take it simply as moralisms that any person, regardless of their spiritual standing, could could listen to this advice and say, "Okay, I come away from the book a better person." Right? I, I'm slightly uh, more diligent now. I, I'm a kinder person. But the reality is if that is all we take out of the book of Proverbs, we will have completely missed the point of the book, right? Yes, there is much good advice and there is a lot of wisdom for practical living in the book of Proverbs, but what happens if we only take it as sort of moralistic advice is we'll do one of two things. Either we'll go away and we'll become very proud, right, that we have learned wisdom and we now have all of this good advice that we are living out of, that we are following and we will be successful and we'll be inflated with pride in our hearts and look down our nose at those around us who simply aren't as wise as we have now become. Or if we don't do that, maybe we'll just go the opposite way and we'll be embarrassed because we know we're not wise. We'll understand that we're a fool and so we'll be, uh, we'll be depressed, we'll be ashamed, we'll be embarrassed of who we are, and we'll despair. We'll say, well, I'll never live up to that. I could never take on all the wisdom of 31 chapters of Proverbs, the high, high standard that it sets for walking before God, and we'll go away despairing. But neither of those options are where Proverbs wants to take us. Proverbs says here is the path of wisdom, let's walk in the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is neither despair for our sins, nor is it pride over our righteousness. L- walking in the fear of the Lord is walking in faithful trust and reliance on the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, knowing all the reality of God's power, his sovereignty, his, his in, in and yet also knowing this is a God who loves us. This is a God who cares for us, who knows the worst there is to know about us, and yet accepts us, loves us, and has given his Son for us. All the book of Proverbs has to come under that heading, that this is what it means to walk in the fear of the Lord. And this particular chapter we've read today uh, is a very useful chapter for us, even though um, Maybe there's a little bit of of just daunting hesitation in coming to a chapter like this, just knowing that we live in a day and age in which gender roles are this big hot topic, right? And, And everyone has this opinion. Well, thankfully, the Word of God speaks clearly to us on this issue, right? We're looking at one chapter, so it's not the entire council of what the Bible has to say about gender roles, but Proverbs 31 is good in painting for us this picture with lots of details filled out of what it looks like specifically for a woman to walk in the fear of the Lord. Here's a picture of her life. So I want to emphasize three points about this picture of the woman who walks in the fear of the Lord out of this chapter. First, this is a picture of strong wisdom. Strong wisdom. Second, it's a picture of very practical wisdom. It's very practical. And third, it's a picture of an embodied wisdom. Strong wisdom, practical wisdom, embodied wisdom. First, when we read this poem in Proverbs 31, it is a picture of a very strong wisdom. Al Walters is a scholar. He suggests we have to begin reading this chapter by asking a very simple question of genre. What kind of poem is this? What what sort of thing are we reading? And his suggestion, is that this is a poem that stands in the tradition of Israel's heroic poetry. And that this is, he says, we ought to read this alongside things like the song of Deborah in Judges 5, or the songs for David and and Saul in 2 Samuel, or David's own song at the end of 2 Samuel. And if you remember, those are are paeons of praise. They're heroic poems that celebrate the achievements of some great heroes in the, the history of Israel's national life together. A a heroic poem is characterized by recounting the hero's mighty deeds, often including military exploits. And that's what it means to have a heroic poem. And although in this poem there are no military exploits that are mentioned, one scholar notes uh, the poem does use some military language to describe the activities that are in the domestic sphere of life. And in doing so, it presents the godly wife as a spiritual heir of Israel's ancient heroes, a champion for those around her by her diligent application of wisdom. And she says the godly wife is, quote, a heroic figure used by God to do good for his people, just as the ancient judges and kings did good for God's people as well. This is a heroic poem. We see it, some, in the very uh, first verse, verse 10. Uh, In the ESV, it it simply begins this way, an excellent wife who can find, some say a virtuous wife or a valiant wife who can find. uh, The Hebrew words there for, uh, in this case, excellent wife, eshet hayil, great Hebrew words. Eshet, of course, means woman. Hayil means virtue, strength, nobility, uh, it's a word that is commonly used to describe valiant warriors. Sometimes the most valiant of warriors uh, are described with this term, hayil and ishet hayil. Uh, this woman, of course, is, is not a literal warrior. Right? She's not in, in a military setting here. But here's what the poem is doing. The way it is described, we're meant to see what we might call the heroic quality of a life, an ordinary life lived in the fear of the Lord. The heroic, noble, virtuous, valiant character of an ordinary life lived in the fear of the Lord. And by ordinary, here's what I mean. I I simply mean that she's described in this poem as caring for her family, working an ordinary job, selling her merchandise and textiles, serving in mercy ministry, perhaps serving in her local church, uh, and it sounds ordinary, but it's presented to us as a life lived in the fear of the Lord that demonstrates the wisdom of Proverbs and thus is presented as anything but ordinary. Right? It's presented as though uh, it, this is a heroic recounting of great noble deeds done for the Lord. She's presented as a hero. Right? So in, in many ways, this poem, this chapter, is a celebration of ordinary Christian women who live quiet lives of service, before the Lord. And and in that ordinary Christian service, it's easy, perhaps, for them to feel like their service is nothing special. They're not doing any great works for God. They're not traveling overseas and giving their lives as missionaries. They're not going to war for Israel like other Old Testament saints had done. They're not truly doing a great work for God, they feel they're just trying to keep up with the many demands of raising a family, perhaps trying to balance that with uh, a, some type of career, and often feeling like a failure in finding that balance, perhaps engaging in some type of service at church, perhaps they feel like it's very rarely noticed or appreciated. And here's a chapter that is saying this exact sort of ordinary Christian life is the life that is celebrated as a warrior for the Lord. It says, this is the wife who is more precious than jewels. This is a celebration of the ordinary Christian woman. Look at verse 17. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. The language there is, again, she girds her loins and makes her arms strong. This is one of those military uh, images. Right? This is a woman who's requiring all of her strength in this very ordinary life of service. We say ordinary, but by no means easy. This is a poem celebrating that that the women who do this are noble and strong and wise. And they use their valor and strength not in the service of military victory, but in the service of the Lord, in those spheres to which they have been called. One of my favorite verses in this chapter, after studying it this week, is verse 15. Verse 15. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household. Now, the word there for providing food are the Hebrew words that are commonly used to describe an animal that tears apart prey into small pieces for its young. So one scholar suggests reading this verse like this, she rises like a lioness while it is still night to provide prey for her household. Now, that might be a little overly literal to, to read it that way, but that's the point it, it's describing for us, you know, not just the ordinary, boring, suburban housewife trope. It's saying that the woman who's committed to serving the Lord in this sphere is the competent, fierce, and strong woman who's up to the task of carrying out the ministry that the Lord has given her, regardless of what that ministry is. And caring for a family is a noble, Noble ministry, a noble task that this strong, valiant, excellent wife is doing, and that's why this poem is praising this woman who fears the Lord. It's seeing the value in this, right? It's holding this up. In in many ways, this poem uh, was written to be a um, a polemic against what other cultures prized in their view of women. See. Now this was just as true in the ancient world as it is today, that different cultures uh, sort of have these traits that they especially prize and they especially hold up as being the most valuable, most worthy, you know, praiseworthy traits in in anybody, but especially here in the life of women. And here is a chapter that this this is a polemic. It's saying this is what is especially praiseworthy in the life of a woman, right? Other cultures have other things, for example, uh, there was much in ancient Near Eastern literature that praised women merely for their physical beauty or for their romantic usefulness. That might sound a bit familiar to our culture today, right? We're, we too are obsessed with physical beauty. And it's easy to see the impression all over the world today that a woman's value and worth is dictated by the shape of their body. We like to think that we're beyond this, right? Aren't we more enlightened? Haven't we gotten greater equality today? No. No, gyms are still packed. Plastic surgeons are still doing just fine in their business. Uh, Photoshop still exists. We're still obsessed with this. In contrast, Proverbs 31 praises this noble woman for her activities in the ordinary affairs of family, community, and business life. Verse 30 even says very specifically, Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but the woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. It says, beauty is vain, right? It's fleeting. You can't hold on to it. It's here for a while and then it's gone and there's no getting it back. But rather than always just bemoaning that fact that that beauty is fleeting, that everyone ages... Here's our culture spending all its money chasing the fountain of youth, trying to deny time the reality. Uh, Instead, Proverbs 31 says, don't go down that path. Yes, beauty is fleeting. The true praiseworthiness of a woman is found in her fear of the Lord, that she works diligently to serve the Lord in whatever calling he has laid on her life. Uh, And there were other cultural voices that would have praised a woman simply as the, the silent homebody wife held that up as the the ultimate example of the noblest calling for a woman Uh, their role was purely in the home that's a view we still see today and particularly in in very uh, culturally conservative segments of society where they still will look with suspicion at at any woman who desires to work outside the home but here is proverbs and, and proverbs 31 can say yes this valiant woman cares for her family but she's also a woman who is active in the marketplace. Right? She uh, considers a field and buys it. She delivers her sashes to the merchants. She is active in business, working outside the home. She's diligent. She's competent. She's regarded as a wise teacher. She's a philanthropist. She's generous and noble. We see other cultures where the pendulum has simply swung all the way the other direction, and where there, you'll find some women who would be ashamed to think uh, that they would be only committed to family life. They would say, no, the real glory and dignity of my life is found in my career. Proverbs 31, again, it affirms career. It affirms the business uh, acumen of this noble woman, but it's also about the excellent wife. And there's an emphasis that she does provide for her family. She is trusted by her husband, praised by her children. And many cultures, if we're honest, many cultures simply devalue women. And here's Proverbs 31 presenting to us this picture of the excellent wife. In fact, I think it's very noteworthy that here at the very end of Proverbs, at the last chapter, after 31 chapters of all of these examples, all of these teachings of wisdom, it's going to try to wrap that all up in one example and say, here's sort of the final conclusion of the matter. Here's this picture of one life and who does it present for us? It puts it all together in the life of a woman. It's a really ennobling chapter. It's saying, here is the ultimate picture of wisdom. Think about this woman. Right? Uh, moreover, uh, these cultures that devalue women, some of them say that you know, women, and we've seen this in the past in particular, there's no point educating them. That they're not worthy of education. It's the men who are educated, the women just do the work of the home. But here Proverbs presents the woman saying that the teaching of wisdom is on her lips. She's educated and competent to be able to teach others. Proverbs 31 gives us this very strong, noble portrait of the the virtuous, noble woman as an example of wisdom. Now, it's a picture of strong wisdom. It's also a very practical picture of wisdom. The 21 verses of this poem, it's an acrostic. It's easy to miss that in English, but in Hebrew, it's an acrostic poem, which means each verse begins with consecutive letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So from beginning to end, it hangs together. Now, scholars are recognizing today that that's more than just sort of a little poetic novelty. Right? It, it used to be thought that it was purely to make it more memorable, maybe easier to memorize. But, but now they're saying, actually, it's an intentional literary device. It's showing us this is like a complete catalog of wisdom. This is everything there is to say from A to Z. It it presents the whole comprehensive description. And so it describes these different areas in the life of this noble woman. She is a woman first who works to provide for her family. Uh, Verse 11 says, The heart of her husband trusts her. He has no lack of gain. Uh, Verse 15 says, She rises to provide food for her household. Uh, Verse 27, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Both her husband and her children are blessed by her labors for them. They praise her as an excellent woman. And so there's a big emphasis on how she cares for her family. Now, we recognize, and, and Proverbs would have known as well, that not every woman has this opportunity? Not all, of, not every woman has a family or children to care for. Uh, but for those who do, it says family is a top priority. This is the this is the diligent, noble woman who cares for her family and provides, works hard to provide for them. But also, she is at work in the marketplace. We we mentioned this. Verse 18. She uh, considers. Excuse me. It's verse 16. She considers a field and buys it. Uh, Verse 18, she perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Verse 24, she delivers sashes to the merchant. So this is a woman who is engaged in business outside of the home. And in reading something like this, we are all aware there are many stereotypes in the Christian world that that would tell us that it's only the stay-at-home mom, who is the highest picture of Christian nobility, that is what a woman's calling is. To which I think Proverbs 31 would say, yes, that is one of the callings on a noble Christian woman. But she's also pictured and presented here as one who, who labors in the marketplace, who is so skillful and competent that she is able to do these things, uh, you know, judging the worth of a field and completing that transaction. She's making things that she's selling in the marketplaces. She perceives her merchandise as valuable, so she is savvy enough in her business skills to be able to know how to turn a profit. In fact, it says in verse 18, that the last part of that verse, says her lamp does not go out at night. Now, it, we hear that as sort of this burning the candle at both ends, you know, midnight oil sort of thing. In fact, the, the commentary says that that's probably meant to be a picture of this woman's wealth. That there are many for whom, you know, it would simply be dark at night. They wouldn't have the the means to be able to provide artificial light in that culture. It was not a given. But here is a woman who has the means because of her work, her diligence, she has the means to provide light at night so her family can continue to see. She's a a family woman. She's at work in the marketplace. She is herself pictured as a wise teacher. Verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom. The teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Uh, That, again, as we said, that would have been very notable in the ancient world when when some would have said that women don't need to go to school or be educated, uh, but in Proverbs, they do. She's generous to the poor. Verse 20 says she opens her hand to the poor. She reaches out her hands to the needy. This is a woman who's described as being full of faith. Verse 21 says she's not afraid of snow for her household. Verse 25 says she laughs at the time to come. Isn't that a vivid picture? I think it's a vivid picture of faith that she is able to laugh at the times to come. Because I know a lot of children that can laugh at the times to come. I don't know many adults that can do that. One of the realities of of adulthood is that we learn to take on our shoulders all of the stresses and anxieties of planning for the future. Of providing, of looking ahead down the road, Uh, and and that is often very stressful. Caring for ourselves and for others, uh, making sure we're ready, we take on that anxiety of the unknown in life. Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, he gives us part of the way to avoid that anxiety: is how to be able to laugh at the times to come. Remember how he says to do it: to look at the birds biblical advice. Look at the flowers. Look at how God provides for them, that he clothes them in greater glory than Solomon himself. Even though they are here today and gone tomorrow, he says, how much more does your heavenly father care about you? How much more will he provide for you? He's giving us the resources to be able to laugh at the time to come, To, to say it's not up to us to take on our shoulders all of that anxiety as though we were the sovereign ones who it was up to us and us alone to be able to provide for ourselves. God says, don't do that. I'm the one who provides for you. This is why our children laugh at the time to come because they know that they have good parents who are providing for them, that it's not up to them. They don't have to worry about what's for dinner. And God says, he is our father. He is the one who's providing for us. We don't have to worry about what is to come. So we take this whole picture, right, this whole chapter, uh, this composite portrait of this woman, uh, and here's what we see. She's described as a woman who walks in the fear of the Lord, and that is expressed in this whole range of actions. Right? Her life is a life of love that is expressed in practical demonstrations of love and service and ministry to others, to her family, her community, uh, possibly her church, um, and, and isn't that what the life of faith is always meant to, to lead to? Right? Proverbs is a book of wisdom. But even in Proverbs, it, this wisdom is never meant to be just an intellectual kind of distraction, intellectual activity of wisdom in the sense of knowledge. Wisdom in Proverbs is a practical reality of giving ourselves away for the sake of others, of sacrificing our lives for the sake of others not being afraid to give ourselves away in the service of loving God and neighbor. Uh, One author, N.D. Wilson, he once said, one of the most prevalent lies that our culture tells to women is to make them believe that their bodies are meant to be these perfect specimens that are are neatly preserved and, and, and they never deteriorate or age or decay. And he says, actually, life is meant to be spent your life is not meant to be preserved for your use. It's meant to be spent in service to others. There's no doubt that this is a Proverbs 31 woman is a woman that has many scars, has calluses on her fingers from working hard. No doubt she has stretch marks. This is a woman who is giving herself in the service of her family and her God. And it says this is a heroic and noble thing to be doing. Joan Collins says... The problem with beauty is that it's like being born rich and then becoming poor. That's the problem with beauty, right? Young people are blessed with it, just by nature of being young people, right? They're beautiful and yet as you age the reality is that our bodies age too and beauty fades. Not not for anyone here, of course, but others, right? Beauty fades as we age, that's why it says, Beauty is vain, right? It's fleeting. It's like a breath. It's something you can't sustain or hold on to. It's here and then it's gone. And we live in this world and culture today that is desperately trying to hold on to it, that is saying this is the value and worth of a woman. And Proverbs 31 is saying, no, it's not. The value and dignity of a woman is not grounded in appearance, but it's in a life that is lived in the love of Jesus and the service of others. So it's a strong wisdom, it's a very practical wisdom. It's also an embodied wisdom, an embodied wisdom. Let me explain what I mean by that. One of the things that stands out in reading this chapter is that here we are at the end of the book and we've had 31 chapters of collections of sayings. Uh, They feel somewhat disconnected at times, right? There's all sorts of topics, all of these sayings, But it ends here with this picture that brings it all together. And it brings it all together in this picture of this woman whose life reflects the wisdom of Proverbs. We could just go through, if we wanted, every verse in this chapter and and tie it into other Proverbs earlier in the book and say, okay, it's been praising all along these particular virtues, and now here they are being lived out in the life of the Proverbs 31 woman. Uh, She lives the life of wisdom, her kindness and generosity, Uh, Even being an early riser, it's in Proverbs. Uh, She's strong. She fears the Lord. She's diligent. Uh, She's trustworthy. She's more valuable than jewels. All of this. And you know what this is telling us? This is reinforcing this idea. Wisdom in Proverbs is never theoretical or intellectual. But it is always embodied in actual life. It's lived out. Right? In fact, We could put it this way, we get to the end and we see this picture, we could say, this woman in Proverbs 31 is the very incarnation of wisdom. She is the embodiment of wisdom. We've had this whole book and it ends by saying, here it is lived out in a particular life. A particular life. All these short, pithy sayings now come together in this one person who is the embodiment, the incarnation of wisdom. And you know what I think that means? I think it means that Proverbs is not content to simply give us nothing more than this collection of sayings. It gives us a person. And it points us to an actual life. And it says, here, let me give you an illustration. Right? Because it's easier for us to see wisdom lived out before us than it is to, to figure out all these little pithy sayings. And so here's wisdom displayed in this life of this woman who, who's getting up early to provide food, who's making sure all the kids are dressed appropriately, who's generous to the poor, who always has a word of kindness on her tongue. And Proverbs is saying, here's what it looks like in actual life when you start to put it all together. Here's a picture of the life of one person who's walking in the fear of the Lord. Proverbs gives us a person. But remember, it doesn't just give us this person. If we went back to chapter 8, we were in chapter 8 a long time ago, where Proverbs describes another woman. And it gives us another whole chapter that's describing Lady Wisdom. And we said in chapter 8 that Lady Wisdom is the perfect embodiment of wisdom. And reading that chapter, we said that all the imagery of that chapter is pointing us to Jesus himself. And it's telling us wisdom is not just sayings, wisdom is a person, and it's pointing us to Jesus, who is our wisdom. Remember, when Jesus wanted to teach his people wisdom, what did he do? He sent his son. And 1 Corinthians says, Jesus himself is our wisdom, our righteousness, our holiness from God. Jesus is our wisdom. And so in some ways, we read Proverbs 31 and we say, here's this woman who's embodying the life of of Christ in her own everyday life, her ordinary life, of faithful, but seemingly small acts of service, the kind we don't celebrate, the kind that are easily overlooked, But what are they? They're they're concrete examples of following the life of Christ. And isn't that what Christian life is, really? The experience of having Christ formed in us. And of living the life of Christ through our small, humble actions of service towards others. I think to read Proverbs 31 properly, the only way to do it is we have to do it knowing our need of Jesus. And this is why the chapter ends, uh, verse 30 saying, the woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Proverbs is bounded by this. It begins in chapter 1 and it ends in 31, saying, the fear of the Lord is what wisdom is all about. We need the gospel for women. And for men, too. But here's what this chapter is saying. First, and I'll just make two very specific applications, Uh, and and you're welcome to find yourself in one or, or either or a combination of both of them. But first, we need the gospel for super moms. You may know that term. Uh, I see that term often thrown around for, to describe the, the mom who is uh, homeschooling all the kids and making their clothes and is always you know uh, presenting herself flawlessly. Right? She seems to do it all. Uh, she works out daily. She also holds down a professional job. Uh, never lets the laundry pile up. Her house is always spotless. And, and in all of this, she's never in the least bit stressed out, worried, or tired. Right? And, and we, no one, of course, is like that, but we hold up that model, and, and therefore, uh, real life women make themselves feel guilty for not achieving that standard. And we look to these people and say, wow, she's a super mom. Right? She does it all. But for every one person that in, is encouraged by that, there's probably a hundred that are discouraged who know already that they're never enough, who already feel exhausted, and who really would be glad if they could just be an ordinary decent mom, right? If they could do a little bit more. See, if we read Proverbs 31 the wrong way, it contributes to our anxiety. We hold up this model and we say, I can never be this person. One scholar joked that, that the woman in this chapter is, is so productive, there is presumably nothing left for her husband to do. Right? And we hear that. This is a woman who is doing everything. And it's easy to, to read it and feel, uh, we don't live up to this standard. But that's why it ends by pointing us back to the fear of the Lord. This is the gospel fear, the fear that comes from walking with Jesus, from trusting in him, and from knowing ultimately that our identity is not in how good a mom you are, it's not in how good a wife you are, Rather, your identity is in Christ. And you are meant to find all of your rest, all of your peace, all of your joy, all of your identity in that. That you are in Christ, that you are a daughter of the King, that you are completely loved and accepted and and forgiven and saved by Christ, not because of how good you are at cleaning house or cooking or providing or any of those things, but it's who you are in Christ. We need the gospel for the super moms and those aspiring to be them. We also, second illustration, we need the gospel for career-oriented women and those aspiring to that path. Because some of you are very good at considering a field and buying it. Maybe you make amazing linen garments to sell and you're really good at delivering your sashes to the merchants, or whatever the 2019 equivalent of those things would be. And that might be a very significant source of satisfaction for you. It ought to be as, as a fulfillment of one of the callings that God has put on your life. But perhaps you also know the stress that comes with that. Perhaps you also know the constant pressure to consider an even better field and buy that one. Or to make even better linen garments and deliver even better sashes to even better merchants that will bring a better return on your investment. And perhaps you know the reality that being a, being diligent, working hard, having a career, perhaps you know it's a wonderful servant, but it's a terrible master. And if you look to that career for your sense of identity and for your sense of purpose in life, that it will, over time, slowly but steadily, drive you mad. That it will destroy your peace and it will steal your joy. Instead, what we need is the woman who walks in the fear of the Lord and trusts in the Lord with all her heart and does not lean on her own career for a sense of identity, worth, and purpose. Career is a wonderful servant, but it's a terrible master. It's a wonderful thing to engage in the work of your hands, to see that be established, but it's a terrible way to find your identity and purpose in life. And so the woman who, who walks in the fear of the Lord is the woman who knows instead that all of her worth is in Christ and in Christ alone, that her identity is as a forgiven and loved daughter of God, and that never changes. Whether she considers one field or 20 fields, whether she makes a good profit from her sashes or loses out on that investment. And here again is why the beginning and the end of Proverbs is bounded by walking in the fear of the Lord because we could take on board all the good advice that Proverbs has to give us. We could do every little proverb and practice them, and if we're not walking in the fear of the Lord, that would take us further from Christ rather than closer to Him. But the ultimate wisdom for all of God's people, men, women, both, is to walk with Christ. Walk in knowing the love of God for you in Christ, knowing His grace, You are accepted by his grace. You are loved by his mercy. You are in his family because of his decision, not because of any of your decisions. That is all of the wisdom of Proverbs in one sentence. Knowing what it is to walk in the fear of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Christ. Lord, we thank you that even in reading this chapter, we're able to see uh, that this is the description of a woman who walks in the love of Christ and the fear of the Lord. And and that is all of our desire, is to follow you, receiving your grace, your mercy, your peace, and your joy for us. And, And having received that, therefore, to be all the more diligent, Lord, to know what it is to walk in wisdom, to know how to express that in everyday activities of service. Service to you expressed in service to family, Uh, to neighbor, to church, even in our communities, in our workplaces. So, Lord, we're, we're asking again today that your spirit would cause your word to be fruitful, to bear fruit in our lives, not to return to you void. Do this, we pray, for the glory of Christ and the good of your people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.